welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into a big show. Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you very much for listening to the program. By whatever means you do so, whether it's live here from 9 to 10-ish, past 10-ish, a.m. Eastern every Monday through Friday, or maybe you're a podcast listener, in which case, hi from the past. How are you? Big show today. Gigantic. I'm not sure we can contain this show within the walls of this tiny little room that I sit in every day to talk to you guys. Andrew Jennings. Yes, that Andrew Jennings will join us in just a couple of minutes to talk about the FIFA scandal that has erupted over the past week. Andrew Jennings has long Long been the man calling for more oversight of FIFA. He has been investigating FIFA bribery and corruption for years and years. And in fact, he's written two books on the subject. He's always a fascinating discussion. We'll talk to him about what's gone down. What may still be to come. I believe Andrew Jennings is out there in the world telling people that he, in fact, contributed evidence to the investigation of the FBI that led to FIFA arrests, and that his work will perhaps lead to Sepp Blatter being a target of said investigation. Sepp Blatter elected president again for a fifth term at the FIFA Congress on Friday. Perhaps you followed along ESPN live coverage. That's how big this scandal is. Now, I know it's midday on a Friday. What else does ESPN have going on? You know what? Reruns of SportsCenter. Get pretty damn good ratings, even in the middle of the day, before they go into their whole embrace debate nonsense. So I'm sure they could have ran something else. But they put Bob Lee and Jeremy Schapp and Craig Burley in a room, and they followed along the same web stream we all watched to provide commentary and context to Sepp Blatter being renewed as FIFA president. Sepp Blatter had some fascinating things to say, some absolutely crazy bonkers, nonsense things to say because that's what he does. We'll come to that in just a second, including some ominous words from Sepp Blatter in, in the aftermath of his re-election. We had a big MLS weekend, lots of results. Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew Jennings in a couple of minutes, and then after that, we're going to double up. Travis Clark from Top Drawer Soccer will join us to talk about the U-20s at the World Cup in New Zealand, one match in. They beat Myanmar on Friday. We'll talk about the U23s in Toulon, France, where they have one win, two losses, and still a decent chance of advancing, depending on how things break out in the final match. I believe that's the case. We'll check with Travis. We'll talk about the standouts, the problems that Andy Herzog is having there with a team that needs to qualify for the Olympics very shortly. In MLS, a full weekend as I mentioned, Friday night, Sporting Kansas City destroying FC Dallas for nothing. Great goals by Graham Zusi, Kevin Ellis, Christian um, Nemeth, fantastic, absolutely abused Matt Hedges in that match. Montreal, I'm sorry, let me let me fast forward here, get my uh, scores right. Montreal come up in a minute. Toronto beat Sporting, uh, beat San Jose three one. Fantastic, uh, fantastic day at the park for Sebastian Davinko who set up 
several of those goals, created his own chances in the after in the absence of Josie Altidore, Toronto rolls on. Vancouver two, RSL one, Gershon Kofi with a blast in that game. New York City FC and Houston drew one one, a penalty put away by David Villa gets a point for the home side. Handball in the box. DC United two, Philadelphia one. Chris Rolfe with a late penalty to give DC United a win over Philadelphia. Orlando 2, Columbus 2. Kai Kamara continues to be one of the best signings in MLS. 10 goals now in the season. Orlando gets their own penalty to keep pace with one or, or get a draw with one of the better sides in the Eastern Conference. Chicago 3, Montreal nothing. Chicago taking upon Mar- Montreal. Uh, Harry Ship with a great goal. Kennedy Igboenike. Let me try that again. Played well as well. Portland 2, Colorado 1. Jack Jewsbury with the winner in that game. Portland needed that. Seattle 2, New York 1. I think the aftermath of that game is Seattle's the best team in MLS. A late winner that was credited to Chad Barrett was really created by Clint Dempsey. And New York, uh, sorry, New England and LA drew 2-2 in a game that produced four stellar goals, including a great free kick by Diego Fagundes and a little bit of uh, magic. By Jose Villarreal and Giassi's artist. Now, Villarreal came out of that game injured, which is trouble for LA. Also, coming out of that game injured, Jermaine Jones, who was named to the U.S. national team roster for two friendlies against Netherlands and Germany coming up. Jones will miss those games with his injury and will not be replaced because that's what Jurgen Klinsmann does. We can talk about that roster. Perhaps we open up the phone lines after we talk to Travis Clark. Maybe we'll talk about that roster with Travis Clark, as a matter of fact. Jurgen Klopp has announced that he's going to take a break. He's going to pull a pep. He's going to take a little bit of a break. It's been seven intense years at Borussia Dortmund for him. He will not take a job coming up in this new season, so we can put that speculation away for the time being. The New York Cosmos are in Cuba. Interesting story there. Bears watching. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, lots of pictures coming out from their Instagram and uh, social media accounts. Cosmos in Cuba is, uh, is pretty interesting, and they lead the NASL um, right now in the spring season with that, uh, that part of the year coming to a close as well. Santos Laguna wins the Liga MX title 5-3 on aggregate over Corretero. Corretero lost that first leg 5-0 yesterday. They put together a spirited comeback, won the game 3-0, but ultimately lost the series 5-3. Congratulations go out to Santos. You may have seen Jack Warner with a video out. Lots of headlines saying that Jack Warner was fooled by the onion. He held up a picture of a, a printout uh, of a headline that says that the uh, in the aftermath of the arrests that FIFA was going to hand the United States a World Cup in this 2015, this summer. So clearly Jack is either completely bonkers or um, is trying to just drum up support with fake headlines, because that's what he does. I think that Jack actually realized what was going on there and still used it, because that's who he is. Seth Blatter's converse, uh, comments about the United States and their role in the FISA investigation and arrests, obviously a leading role in that, are a little ominous in the fact that he has said he believes these were politically motivated, a politically motivated investigation, uh, and that he will, uh, and that, uh, you know, th- this is, the sense I get is that Seth's not happy and now that he's president again, you have to wonder what kind of retribution or ramifications this may have for the United States. Listen, with all, the re- with all respect to the judicial system of the U.S., with a new minister of justice, the Americans, if they have a financial crime that regards American citizens, then they must arrest these people there and not in Zurich when we have a Congress. All right. Thank you, Sepp, for uh, 
your comments about how justice should work. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm not ready for this. I'm going to try to get ready for this. You get ready for this. Andrew Jennings on the other side. We're going to talk FIFA scandal with him. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning. Thank you for joining us on a Monday. I'm happy to have on the telephone with me now the most uh, the most renowned investigator of FIFA corruption uh, that I'm aware of, Mr. Andrew Jennings, author of Omerta, Set Blatter's FIFA Organized Crime Family. Mr. Jennings, how are you, sir? All the better for talking to you, Jason. I appreciate that, sir. I imagine if you might be a, a little bit better to see uh, what the United States Department of Justice uh, did last week in arresting uh, seven FIFA officials, going after several members of that um, or former members of that organization. Uh, is that? Do you feel a, a, uh, Do you feel some satisfaction over that, or do you believe that this is just the tip of the iceberg? We have a long way to go. Oh, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but it's a very fine iceberg. And if I, I was in Zurich on Friday filming for BBC television, and it was gratifying. I mean, there were hundreds of film crews there, TV crews. And one after another, they came up and said, Mr. Yennings, you must be willy windicated. <laughs> so I do feel willy, I feel willy, willy, willy windicated. I mean, I gave the feds the stuff on, that got Chuck Blazer, which started all the cards tumbling over. I'd been talking to the feds since, all oh, 2009. And if you're listening, guys, well done. <laughs> but there's still more to do. But, yeah, I mean, Chuck Blazer, I think, became a cooperating witness before they got their badges out of their pockets. Um, and it was so obvious. Now, it's been interesting to, you know, I'm not, it's not about snitching. It's about no other police force in the world would go for these demonstrably, disgustingly corrupt people who were ripping off sports fans. They stole the passion. They certainly they talked did, about it? sport and, and honor and ethics. Well, they stole. With that, you know, with that in mind, and you know, I've I've been asked to do several other you know interviews because this is such a big story, and Americans are very interested in this story, even if they're not necessarily initiated in football, Andrew. And 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 that's the salacious nature of this, and that's how that's how big this is. That it, it, you know, this is a, almost akin to the IOC, and I know you've looked into them as well. And and they they went through. Uh, yeah, it's with CBS sixty minutes on that. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I, I I want, and I've been asked, you know, what next, and and is this something that's going to ultimately re- you know um, result in a full reformation of FIFA? And I and and if it's the tip well, of the iceberg, can we get there? I don't know whether we want to reform FIFA. It's so rotten. Never mind that the people who've been indicted and there are more to come, and the Justice Department has said that, and I'd be surprised and very shocked if there weren't. But um, why reform it? Remember, it's not just the people who are going to be in court uh, lying, trying to lie their way out and failing and going to jail in America, quite rightly. It's, um, it's all the ones who've never said anything. It's all the FIFA officials in Zurich in their nice suits and FIFA ties who've got their lips stitched up while they earn big salaries. And then you have a problem in America. 
you have some responsibility. I mean, the, the feds and the Justice Department appear to have done an impeccable job, which world sport needed. Thank you, America. <laughs> right, with a thanks over, no thanks, America, right. because the American Soccer Federation sat there for years and sure. never went peep to Jack Warner, the mega thief who's now indicted. His replacement, Jeff Webb, arrested on <laughs> Wednesday morning in Zurich. And when did Sunil Galassi ever say a word about FIFA corruption? He's the silent man of FIFA. Never said a word. But he's a very way. intelligent. I'm not saying he's corrupt. But in an organized crime family, you have the criminals, and he's not one of them. And you have the people who love being at the top of never say anything. And Sunil has never said anything. You should get round to Columbia University and say, hey, how about you coming on and explain to us where, uh, why you lost your tongue? If only. If only, Mr. Jennings, yes. And I think that um, certainly everybody who stood by and kept their mouths shut while all of this was going on. And certainly Chuck Blazer was right under the nose of U.S. soccer. And as you said, Jack Warner, they are complicit, yeah. they are complicit on some level. Uh, and those questions need to be asked. And, and it seems to me, and you know, I'm trying to get into the head of people that I've never spoken to myself, but it seems as though they, they did not want to rock the boat, that they wanted to be part of, they wanted to stay part of the, because again, the, the, the system is so rotten, Andrew, that, you know, we don't think we can change it ourselves. So rather than do the right thing, we'll just go along you, with this. With one the way you can change it is talk to McDonald's, Coca-Cola and Visa and saying, will you be out of there as sponsors by tea time today or breakfast tomorrow? You're not going to stay supporting these loathsome criminals, are you, and funding them? And they've really got to answer these questions. Whose side are you on? And I think coming back to what we said before, let's let's attack the Brits a bit. Let's give the Americans some stick. <laughs> We've had two members uh, of the FIFA 24-man FIFA Executive Committee in recent years. Uh, Mr. Jim Boyce from Ulster, who's just standing down, and Mr. Jeff Thompson from England four years before that. Now, I'm sure these guys never solicited a bribe or got one. Never thought that. But what, how'd you like to earn 200,000 US dollars a year, minimum, travel first class, only know the best hotels the world can ever provide, um, and don't say anything. They've been bought off by a wonderful lifestyle because Seth Blatter would get them out if they said, excuse me, but why is Jack Warner allowed to sell more tickets than any other single ticket dealer in the world? You know, it's so obvious, the rackets. I mean, you know, it's hard work for me to get it. But it was only work. They were so patently corrupt. And I'm afraid the Brits, like the Americans, have not done what they should have done. A lot of noise coming out of the English FA. You know, Greg Dyke has, has made several comments in the aftermath of everything, including Seb Blatter's re-election. I'm going to come to that. But when you see what the English have said... Well, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff um, Dyke is okay. Okay. Sure. Um, uh, it's the people we've sent to the FIFA committee, their executive committee, their ruling group. Uh, Greg Dyke only runs... You know, little old England, <laughs> F.A. Um, oh, and he's straight, the, the he's oldest. good, I worked with him once. Only the oldest and most, uh, you know, well-known F.A. in the world. But my point, Andrew, is not necessarily whether or not Greg Dyke has done anything wrong. It's that question of why not take that extra step? I mean, as you said, Sunil Galati and U.S. Soccer have been silent, but the extra step is what we're now hearing UEFA may ponder, and I still I'll believe yeah. it when I see yeah. it, and that's, that's pulling out. And that's saying enough of this nonsense. We won't be party to it anymore. Yeah, well, I think these clean officials, and there are, 
quite a few, have got to know we're watching them. And they've got to go into UEFA and say, because see, half of UEFA is post-Soviet. You're not going to get anywhere with them mm-hmm. uh, uh, out in the, the Eastern Bloc. But the Western countries, whilst not perfect, have had enough of these people in Zurich telling them how to run football. And what I'd like to see is England, Germany, uh, Holland... Terrific football nation, not very big, but wonderful footballers, of course. Um, talking to the Western Europeans, say, "Hey, let's take the ball home." Simple I mean, if you haven't got um, the, the best European football in the World Cup, you ain't got it. Sure, uh, you know, I, I'm reading this morning. It's uh, you know, I'm sure it's it's a, a very speculative thing. I mean, this is from. Um uh, I'm sorry, I can't find the, the... I have so many tabs open on my computer here, Andrew. And <laughs> Me too. Uh, you know, it, you it, see, remember, we're very early days. Yeah, we are. I mean, we, we are. had a, a fantastic Wednesday morning, a very good 164-page uh, indictment. Well done, the hard work. And it was in the interest of your taxpayers. It's not about a bunch of dodgy foreigners. It's about a global culture of corruption. And thank goodness somebody the Justice Department, have done something about it. You know, I, I, now, what happens next, you see, is we're now waiting for extradition. You see, we get more and more. Extradition will mean the Swiss lawyers are briefed by the Americans will go into court to get these people extradited to America. So we're going to learn a lot more because the Swiss judges, of course, have got to be convinced that it's proper to ship sure. these people to another land against their will. Then we'll have the trial, and I tell you, you and I will be fighting elbows to get into that courthouse in Manhattan. Yes, absolutely. Bliss. Now, you know, we, we talk about Western Europe, we talk about UEFA in general terms, um, and, and certainly Michel Platini has made a lot of noise. I think that's a lot of that is self-serving, and I'm not sure anybody believes that Platini is a much better alternative to Sepp Blatter. Um, th- oh, th- yes, he is more or less straight. Okay. He wouldn't be involved in these grotesque corruption schemes you find in uh, the uh, indictment. And let's remember, your America is one of the nations in CONCACAF, the, the regional confederation. So you lose Jack Warner and Blazer, and what do you get? You get Jeff, Jeff Webb as the new president. Well, he's in chains now. <laughs> and Sunil Galassi with tape over his mouth. It's not good enough. You know, you've given us a great lead with the feds. How about giving us something with, the, with your officials? Uh, you know, again, the, the, whether or not, whatever the, fall, the full fallout is remains to be seen. But let me come to Sepp Blatter because he, of course, was reelected FIFA president for a fifth term on Friday, Andrew, and, and that was to be expected based on the on the the power. The votes of, were paid for over the years. There's no, uh, no surprise he, at all. He has obviously curried favor with a lot of uh, what, what what a lot of us would call the footballing backwaters of the world, which you know may be a little dismissive, but certainly uh, Sepp Blatter has. Uh, learned how to work the, the FIFA system to his advantage. The, the question now is whether or not that has implications for... Uh, there's some question, I've been asked several times, Andrew, whether or not the United States will suffer now because we... Uh, Who know, from? Is somebody going to throw feathers at you? Uh, okay. How can America suffer? You've got nuclear weapons. But God, I mean, <laughs> this has been a lot of stuff by journalists who don't know anything, who haven't even read the indictment, and who come up desperate to get a story to write. America could suffer. Who from? Uh, well, I think that, even, I, Seth, Seth Blatter's cohorts are not landing in the middle of the night in Manhattan to take the island. They ain't yeah. coming. Sure, but what but they can do? But I mean, already they screwed you right. over 2022 by giving the World Cup to a country which employs slave labour and then ships their bodies home to Nepal when they die in the heat. 
and that's one for your sponsors. So they've discriminated against you already and you've put up with it. I think Galassi's been the silent man of American football because he's vainly hoped that, well, when it's taken away from Qatar, as it almost certainly will be, then America will get it by default. And yes, you should, because you didn't pay bribes and you ran second in that election. So really, 2022 is yours. And I think it's time the Americans were saying, what's left of FIFA you know, we don't really want to talk to you because you smell. But you better just ship that World Cup over. They're so not going to. No, who's going who's to be against you? Somebody from uh, Tanzania? Hands up, everybody who can point out where Tanzania is on the map. That's how Blatter won. You give unaudited grants, you give massive million dollar a year grants for football development, then you don't audit them. I guess who's a great president? <laughs> you know? sure. But those days sure. are over now. Well, I, I, okay, but, but I guess the question for a lot of people is what's the, the mechanism for breaking up FIFA completely is going to have to be through a legal process. It's going to have to be through well, arrest. And- yes, but also muscle, as long as no barrel teeth are extracted, is perfectly proper. And what you have is a lot of very decent people in American soccer. Uh, we haven't named anything because we tend to name the people with question marks of various kinds. But you could, I think it goes back to grassroots. The fans have got to say, who represents us at our county, at our state level? Who, who's representing us in Chicago at the headquarters? Right, come on out, we'll look at you. Maybe we, we, like we do in general elections, we'll sack you and get somebody else in. If good Americans talk, help the Brits to stand on their own feet, which they're almost doing, the Australians are ready to roll. A lot of Western Europe would say, yeah, we've had enough of FIFA. these clowns on the hill in Zurich. They're nobody's. Absolutely nobody's. And they're just, you know, being in chains out of a luxury hotel last Wednesday morning makes the point. They're all big talk until the feds say, will you walk this way, sir? You know, and help you hold your head as you get in the car. So, you know, what could America lose? That's, that's a good question. I, I guess it, it, it's a matter of whether or not there there is some sort of... Um, solution to america because uh, andrew from the inside what i can tell you is that i think that the fear is that the sport ceases to grow or is slowed down in its growth if the united states misses out on participating in a world cup and if you flat out you know yeah, rebel yeah. against fifa then and fifa continues to roll on and everybody else i'll is tell playing. you something nobody's who's gonna ban america where are the big sponsors from name the country you get one go well, uh, certainly, but... but, but uh, yes, Coca-Cola, stick your finger up your watch seat. You're not having the World Cup in your country. Who's going to say that? And who's going to listen? Uh, well, uh, I mean, you nice. have power in America. You should be deploying that power in your interests mm-hmm. and everybody's interests. And the World Cup should have come to America for 2022, and it certainly still can. And I think uh, your big sponsor companies have got to be saying to the rump of what's left in, in Zurich, and Blatter doesn't matter, he's dead man walking, is to say, we're not saying America should have it, but we would have got it in a clean election. Mm-hmm. So let's just get it right, shall we? So and let's get it out of Putin land for 2018. No, you see, they're in terrible trouble with with the sanctions and the oil price going south. They can't afford the World Cup. The, uh, you the, see, the stories they're using prison labor to build it. Yes, yes. I, oh, I, yeah, wonderful! It'd be a shabby World Cup if it ever happens. I think Putin's insulting America and everybody else because he wants it taken away. Then he can be a victim. That's interesting to consider. I hadn't thought that, but certainly uh, Putin loves to rattle his saber at any chance. So, uh, yeah, uh, when, when it comes to um, when it comes to UEFA and we we'll come back to them, 
if it's necessary for, I still believe it's necessary for UEFA to pull out of FIFA in order for anything real to happen. Could we see a, an alternative, uh, alternative, alternative World Cup? Could could UEFA throw something themselves? Well, yes, you see, I mean, it's all about human ingenuity and determination, and we all have plenty of that. Go back a few decades, several decades, and the World Cup was the best of Europe versus the best of Latin America. Now, if you then open the door and say, anybody who's good enough to come, USA, African countries, Asian countries, no bar, but we're not going to have it run the way it was. We're not going to have these lowlifes um, going to their Congress as they did this year, as they did in Sao Paulo last year. And British journalists who have exposed FIFA were called racists and blatter called us racists. If I was a bit young, you know, we have an expression in England about a knuckle sandwich, you know, in the teeth. Yeah, oh yeah. How yeah. dare, how dare this scumbag lowlife with his corrupt friends call us racists? Hate us, fair enough. Be rude about us, fair enough. Don't call me a racist. Yeah, My yeah, black yeah. friends are bigger than anybody. You know what I mean? It's a sure. disgusting. He has to say that to hold his vote together. But now UEFA will have to go because I think there's been irritation and uh, with, with with FIFA. And I think, you know, the pressure is coming from the clubs, from the fans. I mean, these clowns at FIFA, just remember, that they, somebody was paid by somebody to give the World Cup to Qatar a strip of sand in their summer. Impossible. Nobody goes out in the summer. So we have a meeting of what Herr Blatter calls stakeholders. I don't remember you being there. I wasn't. And uh, they move it to the winter. Yes. Now, Jason, if you're tired of life, if you just want to give everything up, come over to England, come and stand outside Manchester United, owned by Americans who, who see it as a profit machine, come to Chelsea, come to Manchester City, come to any of our big clubs, and that's the 80,000 fans who walk out and say, hey guys, there's going to be no football for you for seven weeks in the winter of, before the, 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 the Summer World Cup. Should be. No football for you, Mr. Murdoch and your Sky Television. Nothing for you. And you won't make it to the gate, will you? No, no. Nobody asked the no, we, you know, You know what football, or what you call soccer, <laughs> is in England. It's part of our culture. So, Grandfathers took our dads and our dads took us yeah. to see the game. And some shriveled crooks in Zurich saying, well, you can't have it when you want it, when you usually have it in the summer, because Jack Warner took the money and uh, we're going to change the date. Come over to England, tell it to the fans. I mean, they, you know, they'll listen once. You say it twice and you're dead. Um, we're not going to have it. We're not gonna, networks don't want it. To Who wants to go to Doha? It's not about Arabs. It's not about Muslims. It's about temperature. That's all. Uh, it's okay. too hot. Let me come back to Bladder, uh, Mr. Jennings, because you mentioned that you, um, that you in fact, turn, uh, turn materials over to the federal government of the U.S. Um, that related to Chuck Blazer, and obviously Chuck Blazer was a major part of this. You've also stated clearly that based on some of those uh, materials that you expect Blatter to be a target. So in your esti yeah, estimation... I mean, yeah, the FBI had approached me three years before. Like, you always distrust policemen when you don't know. What's their motive? <laughs> then I found out that two of them, the agents I was meeting in London, were soccer fans. They said, look, when we finish, is there any way we could get to a good game? I thought, they'll do. <laughs> they'll find and um, I gave them a lot of stuff. It rolled Chuck. Now, Chuck always thought it was the cleverest man in the world, which is why he's indicted now. <laughs> um, he, a uh, nasty piece of work, 
behind all the jovial fronts, but he knew a lot. And if I was set blatter, I'd be, I'd be under my bedroom, I'd be under the bed sobbing. Fingers in the ears, you can't hear the six o'clock knock because Blazer knew a great deal. You may remember back in 2006 when MasterCard sued FIFA for contract breach, Blasser put up Chuck Blazer to intimidate this some silly woman judge in Manhattan. What was her name? Loretta? I can't remember her second name. Brilliant woman, brilliant jurist. And when Blazer finished talking for a few minutes, she said, Mr. Blazer, I don't understand a word you're saying because he thought he could baffle her with his cleverness. So that's what fools they are. That was Blasser's best shot was a man who couldn't even lie properly in a courtroom. So I think you know, what, what's going to happen is as the evidence unfolds, Blasser will be fingered time after time. He was in the room and didn't notice. What were those suitcases of money being dragged across the floor? I've no idea. Uh-huh. You know, come on. He's dead man walking, whether they indict him. And, uh, you know, a former British Attorney General said yesterday his name must be on the top of the whiteboard in the Justice Department as they look at them and knock You can only arrest 10, 11 people in a day. By the time you've read them their rights, taken them off to the police station, taken their clothes, and give them all their legal rights, that's a day's work. So, um, Mr. Blasso talking, I mean, we don't even listen to what he's saying anymore. Mm-hmm. Whether it's an American plot or sure. whatever his daughter says, he's innocent. We don't care. They always, criminals always say this, don't they? Have you covered gangsters? I have. They always, I wasn't there. I don't, I don't know when the robbery happened. Nobody told me. I wasn't there. Well, we've got yeah, you on we, video. You, oh. <laughs> we had, Andrew, we had, a, a, this is 30 years ago now here. We had a, a mafia crime boss in New York who used to walk around in his pajamas to set himself up. Oh, yeah. You remember Somebody. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. I'm not. I'm not saying Seth Blatter is uh, is holding himself up to be incompetent to stand trial, but you certainly get the sense that he is going to play the daft uncle to the hilt here, and that's that is it is mind boggling that he might not know what's going on. But that's the role. That's the the that's the tact he's taking. Well, I would assert that he did know in my years of seeing him covering up against all sorts of inquiries in Switzerland and lying. And I must say, I'm not at all impressed with your Michael Garcia chap, the former U.S. attorney, paid millions of dollars and couldn't catch what happened in Russia and Qatar. I have no trust in him. You you know why they've suppressed his report? Because there's nothing in it. Right. And the reason he resigned in a hurry was he put his report in with nothing on the big issues of Russia and Qatar. And, oh, fine, send the, send the expenses and check into Zurich. And then the New York Daily News, and I knew about this, but I couldn't say anything, they revealed, do you remember Chuck Blazer on the, cover, on the front page of the paper? Rat! Yep. The pages inside. Um, and I know who the witness was who gave them all that stuff. But it was you know, 95% accurate about the FBI. Oh, my God, they must have said in Garcia's office, we've just cleared them. And the feds, you can hear them coming down the corridor. Oh, no. Right, let's get out. Point, point of principle, Mr. Garthy is very unhappy with FIFA and he's resigned. Mm. Really? Well, let's see the report. He put it in in September last year. Please, you know. Mm. Why uh, doesn't he give us a copy? Uh, a Go around and ask him why an American citizen can't give American media and people a report commissioned by crooks in Zurich. Right. Why as, can't he hand it over? As you said, there's probably nothing in it. Certainly didn't have subpoena power with that investigation. Uh, Andrew, before I, I run out of time with you, yeah. I, we have to talk just a, a, bri- a bit more about uh, Jack Warner because 
Uh, Jack oh, no, Warner, do we have to? We, like, we, we have on. to. I know you have had direct interaction with Mr. Warner over uh, his crookedness. He was obviously arrested in Trinidad and Tobago, then put into... No, 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 he wasn't. He was never arrested. Not on this he wasn't. No, he heard about the indictment and rather have the embarrassment of all the TV cameras outside his house when the Trinidad cops would turn up to execute the U.S. warrant. He turned himself in very fast to the police. Nobody knew it was happening. He'd done it. Then he went off to hospital. So there's no pictures of big policemen uniforms saying, step this way, sir, please. But yeah, he's indicted. Go on. Well, he turns up a couple hours later, holding us, you know, giving a speech in front of his supporters. Uh, in, in he did Canada. overnight in jail. Then he raised a lot of money, oh, half a million dollars or so in uh, in bail money. But I mean, he, yes, they can do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Gotti used to come out of trial after trial, saying, "You see, I'm innocent." Yes, Mr. Gotti. Thank you. And finally, they got him away. He never came uh, and, back. And, and, yeah, Warner's, Warner's always Warner's a comprehensive thief and liar I've ever encountered. Yes. I've been hit by him. I've been sworn at him, sworn at by him. And he once said to me at Zurich Airport, you are garbage. I would spit on you, but I would not denigrate my spit. And I thought, thank you very much. It works great on TV. What a prat. He, uh, <laughs> he, he now has a video um, that's online in which he holds up an article as proof of a U.S. plot against him and uh, the... the Yeah, yeah, and you know where it ends, don't you? Yes, well, the article is from The Onion, which is obviously satire. It's a spoof, it's It's just a joke. And and let me ask you, Andrew, before I I I let you go here, do you believe that he believes the article, or do you believe that he's just using it because he's that duplicitous? Look, when you're in his kind of trouble, when you've got an authentic indictment against you with great detail about your thieving. And we had already the first investigation of CONCACAF three years ago, two, three years ago. Yes, yes. So what do you do? You change the subject. Yes. Oh, look, look what's happening in America. Look what's happening. This is the story. It wasn't the story. It was a spoof. <laughs> but the, the Blatter's doing it now. It's, uh, it's the Americans. He's playing to uh, African countries. Uh, where America may not always have been as fair as it might have been, but sure, that's no, another issue. That's not relevant here. Well, uh, Blame yeah. the Americans because they're big and powerful. Go with Mr. Putin, who says Americans have got no right. Talk about anything about your, but except your culpability. Yeah. Well, the, the, but that will come up in court. The political, <laughs> the political elements of this and sort of the perception of Americans is all mixed up in it, Andrew, and it does fascinate me. Well, I, wish- I don't think it is. I think it's raised as a distraction. We can always think of something like, well, I blame America. America's so big, you can always find something to blame it for. Uh, on this occasion, there is no reason whatsoever. Yeah, okay. um, it's just trying to change the subject by people who stole and stole and stole and stole. Do you see one guy, the guy from Brazil, has given back $151 million as part of his pre bargain. How much? That's the sort of level we're talking at. Of course, they're going to change the subject and talk about anything from the moon is made of green cheese to hanging and washing out on Tuesday. It's all irrelevant. The feds will be going to Trinidad. There will be extradition hearings. He'll pay very expensive British lawyers to come out and explain he wasn't there, wrong man, and all that crap. And then he'll be on the plane to New York. He's yours. (laughs) I feel sorry for the American taxpayers. Get the money from him to fund his keep for the next 20 years in an American jail, which he deserves. And I'm a reformist. I don't like people going to jail. It's no. very sad. But Warner's taken the proverbial. He's asked for it. He's got to have it. 
So Andrew Jennings, investigative reporter, has been covering FIFA corruption for years. Go find his uh, his work at transparencyinsport.org and his book, Omerta, Sepp Blatter's FIFA Organized Crime Family, is out there as well. Andrew, it's a, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your time, sir. We'll talk again as it rolls on. Cheers, mate. Okay, bye for now. Bye-bye. There you go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll shift gears. We'll talk U.S. U-20s, U-23s, maybe some U.S. senior roster as well with Travis Clark from Top Door Soccer. Stay there. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning. Let's shift to American Soccer Topics with our friend Travis Clark from Top Drawer Soccer. Follow him on Twitter at Travis M. Clark. Travis, how are you? I'm doing well. How's it going here? I'm, I have a big act to follow. Yes. Do you, do you have any clever Britishisms to drop into this discussion? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> okay, I'll just sound like a wannabe. Uh, yeah, we want, we want. You want to talk about pitches and boots, though, don't you? On some level, I know you want to. I know you want to use those words. Uh, let's talk about the, um, the these United States youth teams currently a- a- active in uh, two tournaments. One of them more important than the other, and that's where we'll start. The USU twenties in New Zealand for the World Cup opened up their campaign against Myanmar. Travis on Friday. A 2-1 win in a less-than-impressive performance. I think that's a good way to to sum it up, really. You know, you look at a U.S. team with pretty high hopes and a Myanmar team making its very first FIFA tournament appearance ever. And, you know, the the, the opening 10 minutes, the U.S. concedes a goal on a pretty bad uh, whiff by goalkeeper Zach Steffen and not great defending in the box. And then kind of has to hold on after grabbing a couple of nice goals. but. You know, in a game like that where U.S. the U.S. is a, I wouldn't want to call them overwhelming favorites, but obvious favorites. You know, the goals they score one's off a corner kick, and then the second is from a um, counterattack. So it's like, well, what has changed? Not okay, much. Well, okay, we can obviously... I know it's being harsh. Sure, you know, they got sure. the result, sure, and well, that's being negative. Um, but that's kind of like you you kind of boil a ninety minute game down into a one minute thirty second. Um, analysis and that's kind of where i'm at with it no i understand and we certainly need to talk about the direction of the program and all of those things that Jurgen klinsman has talked about and whether or not uh tab ramos can can enact those things at that level but when it comes to the performance did you did you see a lack of of team cohesion did you see uh, bad tactics did you see nerves what'd you see i do think nerves uh played a factor i think that it would be unfair to you know, these are players that are, for the most part, you know, a couple guys accepted, uh, exempted, a few guys who are making their international tournament debut. So you can kind of fault that. You know, there there's pressure to get a result. Your favorite. So I think that it does factor in to that, and it'll be an interesting. I think you know, because you got the result, you can mostly focus on the positives of it, despite what I say. Um, but you want to see progress. The next game is big. You get three points. You could, I don't want to say win the group, but you probably steal progress. Uh, even though the three points could get you halfway, more than halfway there already, because 
you know, the third place teams can progress as well. So mm-hmm. I think that factors in. I didn't really like the four four two narrow formation. I think that um, that probably didn't help, but it's kind of what got the U.S. through qualifying. So that's probably not going to change. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of width width from the fullbacks. So Kellen Acosta was kind of hit or miss at times. You know, obviously. Very obviously a right-footed player playing as a left back and, you know, a few moments aside and wasn't comfortable using his left foot, pure and simple. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of an issue when you want that to be with. I think Jordan Allen, I've seen him play better games too. Um, but Emerson Heidman was excellent, probably the best player on the field for the U.S. In my opinion, I think Maki Tall played a very good 45 minutes, but apparently will now miss the rest of the tournament because he broke his toe, came off at halftime. For Bradford Jamison, who wasn't quite the same kind of player. So, mm. uh, you know, big game against New Zealand. You got the host nation, who's not by any means an overwhelming superpower, but another performance like that, and you're probably looking at a draw or maybe even a loss. Sure. Uh, you need to improve in order to beat a better, uh, what, what is expected to be a better team in New Zealand. But as you said, if you look at the way that the group is shaking out, the, the fact that New Zealand and Ukraine played to a goalless draw is a massive boon to the U.S. in terms of the, the tournament. Now, but that's, you know, that's focusing on, that's focusing on how deep you go. And certainly we want to see them get to the knockout round, if nothing else, because that's now, that's more games to play. Um, but, you know, at this level, Travis, I, I think the focus, at least for me, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong. I want them to win, but I, I care more about the individual talent and figuring out a way to play that's going to be impactful a couple levels up when some of these guys get there. Um, is that, is that where you, you are, or, or, I mean, how much do we put into whether they win or lose? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It, it, and the, you know, the, the, when, uh, I mean, you don't need a team to win a world cup because it doesn't, or U20 world cup, because what does that mean? We've seen plenty of teams that go through these tournaments and win and they've done, you know, your Nigeria's or I think Ghana, Ghana probably yeah. have won a couple of youth world cups in the past. The under twenty, yeah, like you said, under twenty level, you're looking more for I think these individuals that you hope to see at the first team, and I think you have that already. Uh, guys like Hinman and Rubin who have made that jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rubin was another player who I thought was very good. Should have had, um, I believe he assisted Hyman's winner, and then should have had at least one or two more assists. Tommy Thompson had a great chance that the goalkeeper saved well. Um, so I think it's fair to. Zoom more in on the individual performances than on the the to the collective results. As weird as that sounds, because in the end, you want these players to get these experience and take them back with them to their clubs and continue to develop and improve as players. So, uh, I I like zooming in kind of on looking at how each player did and how they responded to the game and to the level of play. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the team that Ramos put out there. Um, again, you're, you're expected to sort of dominate, control the game against Myanmar. It ultimately didn't play out that way, but in terms of the lineup choices and then what the substitutions that came, obviously Makita was a force, a force substitution, um, but we didn't see Zalalem start, for example, Travis. Uh, what would the expectation be against New Zealand in terms of changes, if any? I think you'd have to expect a few changes. Obviously, Tall's injury means there'll be at least one, but I would imagine you get like two or three new guys into the starting lineup. Now, of course, Tab could prove me totally wrong, but maybe a, a DeSevio Payne, who I believe plays a right back, but would get a look at left back, or even John Riqueo Jr., and you could even shift um, 
Costa into the midfield or he, you know, he gets put on the bench. Um, I would expect to maybe see Zalalem in for Allen uh, or maybe somebody like Paul Areola get, uh, get a look there at kind of that. It's a weird sort of situation because Allen's more of a wide player, but he's playing kind of a narrow role. So I think there's a little bit of uncomfort, uncomfortability factor mm-hmm. as I make up a word mm-hmm. with that sort of um, what he was asked to do. He didn't look like he was kind of set up to succeed. Uh, you know, obviously Tommy Thompson is a candidate to start up front, although I kind of expect to see Jamison uh, come in for tall. But then I, I think most of the guys you would probably want to see unchanged, Rubin, Heinemann, obviously. I don't know about Senora. Um, he could, he was, you know, hit or miss, but I think he's more of a number 10, and he was another one of those guys, uh, you know, one of the two wide, quote unquote, wide midfielders that weren't actually wide. Uh, and then the back line will probably be unchanged, minus um, minus Acosta. I mean, he could end up staying in the lineup. Marky Delgado, I think, had a fine game. Uh, I think Myanmar also is a game where you could probably get away with not playing a guy like Delgado, who's a little more defensive-minded midfielder. So uh, I think that it's not going to be a, a drastic number of changes. Maybe Ramos would end up changing a number of players if their group future is a little more secure in the final group game. But you got to keep legs uh fresh and you want to get a little bit of rotation going uh sure it, it is uh it, it is kind of a quick turnaround I mean, we're talking we're not talking to five days between games here they, they're gonna have to rotate the squad on some level um for you and, and before we move on to the u23 here's just to sort of wrap this up i mean as you said they've got new zealand next um there's an opportunity here to really stake their claim to to advancing and perhaps advancing in a good position uh what is success tonight and then what is success overall in the tournament well you'd have to want to win the game tonight uh slash tomorrow morning what do we even call it you know yeah i don't know but, i'm calling yeah. it tonight because because it's the same way for you it's the same waking period i believe if you're going to stay up and watch it i don't know that you are but no it's it's 3 a.m kickoff this time as ah, opposed to midnight kickoff eastern ah, time so, so, so that means you probably need like if you're going to plan this out and i know there's some hardcore people listening Maybe go to sleep about you know ten o'clock and get up at two forty five. That's that's about right. Well, if my one year almost one year old wakes me up again at three a.m., then Perfect. I'll have something to do. So Perfect. it won't be the worst thing in the world. Sure, to there you get, go. Otherwise, they can just watch it you know first thing in the morning. And uh, I have colleagues on the West Coast who will fortunately watch it, or however you want to call it, we'll watch it live and we'll have coverage on Top Row Soccer. But okay. uh, I'll be sure to catch it. I think that you know you want to. Con- I think an improved performance overall. You want to see progression uh, both collectively and individually and then uh, just get get, getting better game by game would be an indication that the players are responding well to what the coaches are asking of them and the coaches are making the right calls and decisions to get the best out of their team. So, uh, you know, even if that results in a tie, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if things are better and you, you know, you you get a, a goal on a set piece I mean, that's not ideal. You want to win the game. But um, I think just seeing an improved performance against the team, you know, the, the U.S. should be more settled. And while, you know, the, they're going to be against the host nation, it'll probably be a much more challenging game. You want to see them respond and, you know, quiet the crowd, yeah. that sort of cliched stuff. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think winning the group, especially with the first game won in the their pocket already, is something that you'd probably want to see them Target uh, that, yeah. Target that, absolutely. I want to see. I want to see a twenty-pass combination that leads to an amazing team goal. That's what I want to see. 
Not, well, not, Rubio Rubin almost had a bicycle kick. What's more impressive? Okay, uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I want to see team stuff. I really, I yeah, mean, I know you, you I'm talking about individual, from the collective. I agree, but with I you. do want to see stuff from the collective. I want to see that the program is working. Let's talk, speaking of the program. Let's move up to the U23s who are in Toulon, France, taking part in that tournament. Now, just to kind of put some context on this, because they lost to, to France in their opener. They beat the Netherlands uh, in their second match. Fairly impressive result there. And they lose to Costa Rica. So it's been a very up and down tournament for the Americans in France. This tournament is the only rule is that you have there is a there's an age rule, but it's there not- are no rules. <laughs> well, no, there, I'm just kidding. There is obviously an age rule. Part of this is the reason I mentioned this, because everybody is pointing out how young the French team was compared to the U.S. team. Yeah, no, it's. It's not a FIFA-sanctioned tournament. It's 80-minute halves. It's games every other day. So 40-minute halves, 80-minute games. Yeah, 80-minute halves. Well, thanks for that, that uh, <laughs> correction. But uh, so you know, you see a lot of chopping and changing between games, and uh, you don't have a full sort of U23 contingent. But at the same time, you'd want to see better performances out of some of these guys. Like it, it's kind of harsh to say, but I, I don't think a college player should be the best player on this team. And, that, and Jordan Morris is a special case. Um, Julian Green has certainly, you know, made kind of a run at that claim, but at least in the first three games, he's kind of been the brightest spark for the U.S. And calling him just a college player is a little bit unfair to the rest of the group because Morris has had reps with the first team, you know, on more than a couple occasions this year. So that'll be kind of an advantage to him. But I think that uh, it's a little bit disconcerting in some respect. But on the other hand, you know, you look at the the players called in. There are a lot of some of it's just guys who are you know who can we get in that's eligible for this who is right. not up yeah. to much yeah because MLS teams have games going on and um you you pro- there's probably a little bit of give and take I know Luis Gill I saw reports that he was invited but turned down like even the uh, Zach Pfeffer guys um you, you know it's sort of funny though is you look at a guy like Zach Pfeffer didn't make the under twenty national team but is in the was wanted was wanted by the 23s. Interesting. Uh, same same goes with Tyler Turner, uh, the defender that played, I believe, uh, yesterday against Costa Rica. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, similar things going on there. You want to see a little bit better, uh, more of a improved collective each game, which you're not really getting. Uh, at least, you know, you, it's kind of been up and down, as you said. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's kind of a funky tournament. Yeah. The U.S. Had, last time they were in it, they were a younger team because it was ahead of the under 20 World Cup, and this time. It's a bit of an older team. Uh, I'm not even sure what the age rules are, as you mentioned, but yeah, I, you just want to see a little bit better, sure, a better uh, performance. Not uh, even if the results aren't there. Yeah, and as you said, put it put it in the right context. I mean, if you want to be disturbed by the poor performances, that's fine. Remember, this team is a bit of a hodgepodge. Remember that it's 40 minute halves. If that th- something that matters to you, remember that it's kind of a weird. It's a, in a weird spot. Clearly for MLS players, and I, you know, we could probably. I, I'm sure you could rattle off five or six guys playing in MLS who would be eligible for this team, who might be in the Olympic qualifying team when it comes around to it. But we'll see. And again, that that's the tricky thing for that's, – that's why Andy Herzog has to dig deep because when that tournament comes around, he's he's not necessarily getting everybody that he wants either uh, because of the timing and the, 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 the lack of a requirement that, he, that players be released by their clubs. Right, um, yeah. So he has, he's got to make sure his pool is, is as big as possible. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, it's con- it just continues sort of the theme of – you know, how good are 18 to 20 year olds, 22 year olds getting in terms of looks? If they're in MLS, you know, are they getting, I don't, they shouldn't get playing time handed to them, but, you know, are, are they being developed and challenged in the right ways that 
when they come to these kind of the tournaments, they're ready to make at least a decent impression on the international level. And, you know, Fatai Lashe has been pretty solid too. And he's a guy that played four years of college soccer while other guys that are in MLS are kind of included in this, that signed a little bit earlier, you know, maybe skipped school or whatever, you know, they're guys that are struggling a little bit are at this tournament because they're not getting reps either in USL or in MLS. So, you know, obviously I'm always going to nitpick about that. Um, but you, you just want to see a little bit better and, and not have to kind of make these excuses, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting them to storm and storm past, you know, France. And the game against the Netherlands was, was pretty impressive. You know, they had to hold on there at the end. Uh, but, you know, Costa Rica, you got to do a little bit better against regional rivals, right? Yeah, I would think so. And Costa Rica's got a good program and they got talent. So let's not, you know, we're not sliding them. It's just uh, where the U.S. should be, we expect. Now, just to, to, to flesh this fully out, the, the United States has one group game left. It's against Qatar. Cutter is uh, has given up seven goals and scored one so far in this tournament. You expect the United States to take care of business in that game, and that would give them an opportunity uh, to perhaps advance, especially considering that France and the Netherlands play each other. So one of them, you know, either one of them knocks off the other, and the United States can jump up to six points and hopefully maybe overturn their goal differential if they they got to score. They got to score against Cutter if they want to get uh, into the to to either. I, I don't expect them to be able to get into the final unless France and Netherlands draw. Which yeah, I guess I mean, is possible. Honestly, when we're talking results, that's even less important at a place yes, like this. Yes, right, exactly. There's only one game left after the group stage, so it's really not a big deal either way. But again, we, we want to see at least some progression here. And, and Herzog, as I said, not only does he have the, the, the pool issues, he also has to figure out how to get to the play together, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Like, you know, you, you talk about style of play and a national team coach and pressing on it. He only... They only have so much time to get these sort of things, but again, I, you got to have a good performance against the cutter, especially. Is that how we're pronouncing it now? Is I'm, that the correct? I'm, I'm going with that. I've been okay. told I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not second guessing you. I'm just kind of curious. I, you know you always hear something different. I don't think it matters. I not, mean, I, not that that has anything to do with what we're talking about here, but I think it'd be really fascinating. You know, Jordan Morris is tearing it up again in France in front of, I'm sure, plenty of European scouts. You know, does you know, he's obviously committed, you know, the Stanford announced that he's coming back, but, you know, does a club come knocking with an offer that he can't resist? I don't think so, but mm-hmm. it'd just be sort of a, uh, you know, to see him do so well and then be think, okay, you know, is a team like maybe in France or even like Belgium or the Netherlands, would they come calling? You know, it's interesting to consider and, and especially, the, I think the the more time that passes without him signing that deal with the Sounders, the more expensive he gets for the Sounders and... At some point, they may just say, hey, you know what? Uh, we can't give you any more than this. See ya. And, and the reports are that he's already been offered maybe one of the highest homegrown uh, player contracts in, in league Well, history. shouldn't it be the highest considering I, what he's accomplished? Well, that's what know, I'm saying. So if it's the highest, then the Sounders have, the, you know, and I wouldn't blame the Sounders necessarily for cutting bait if they feel they can't go any higher on a guy who has yet to take the field as a professional player. There's still a matter of... Uh, you know, uh, the expectations are going to be high. The pressure is going to be high. It's his hometown team. His dad works for the team. You just don't know. I mean, players have cr- have crumbled under less pressure. So I don't know, I'm not saying he, he will, but that, that's got to be part of the equation when the Sounders offer him a deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a fascinating sort of set, set of circumstances that, uh, you know, I still think he'll sign with Seattle. You know, he is a player that you, you look at a player's comfort zone being a factor, and I think that, has kind of sort of driven his decision making, which which is obvious to say, but 
when you also look at his his scoring rate in college, it's not that high. And you know, will he? You know, his last game, I think the uh, the Cardinal lost a one two one or one zero in overtime or something against UC Irvine in the NCAA tournament, and he missed like three or four really good chances. So, you know, will he come back, take the college ranks by storm, or just kind of play out his two years there? I, I who knows? That could end up being a possibility as well. You never know. Travis, we don't have time to talk about the senior team. Uh, it's a couple of friendlies. It's not really that big of a deal. It's an interesting team, and Jermaine Jones is out of it. it, it do you have, like, in 30 seconds, you got an, um, an assessment of what Jurgen Klinsmann's doing in, uh, for the Netherlands and Germany? For only 30 seconds? Well, I That's mean, all I got. Sorry, man. I, th- I think it's good to see Juan Agadello. I don't think is this his might not be his return to the fold, but no. his form is good, and it's yes, good to right. see that being rewarded. Um, that's probably the most notable. Okay. You know, there are guys that I always rather see, but well, they, we never, all have those guys. Probably. I'm still not sure. I was talking about this last night. I'm still not sure why Alejandro Bedoya is missing, unless that's just a matter of fatigue after the season. I know Jeff Cameron's dealing with that. So, and, and again, it's friendlies, but you're getting ready for a Gold Cup. We'll see how the uh, the U.S. Senior Team does. So that's it. We hit all three of them. Travis Clark, Top Drawer Soccer. Travis M. Clark. On Twitter, and make sure you listen to the Young Professionals podcast that they do over there at TDS. Appreciate the time, Travis. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls here on a Monday. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com, 646-832-3909. Get in. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning with the phone lines open, 646-832-3909. Want to talk about us? Talk about youth national teams? Want to talk about FIFA? Want to talk about Andrew Jennings? How delightful, delightful Andrew Jennings happens to be. Fantastic discussion with him. Good discussion with Travis, too. As Travis said, very difficult to follow Andrew Jennings. That's rough. I'm, I apologize profusely to Travis Clark for scheduling him directly after Andrew Jennings. Maybe Travis does need some delightful Britishisms to throw into his commentary. Make it more fun. If you want to talk uh, MLS, we can definitely do that. Some interesting results from the weekend. You clearly had... A rash of handballs. What was that about? Terry and Philly's first up. What's up? Hey, this is uh, Terry Clark from Philadelphia, PA. What's going on, Terry? All right. So I had a question about uh, the ethics of the U.S. Open Cup. I wanted to know everyone's thoughts here the on eth- uh, MLS two teams playing. Okay. The ethics. All right. Go ahead. And uh, my, I'm new to the show, so I don't know if it's already talked about. I love your show, by the way. But my question is, I know that they are different contracts, different leagues, but is it ethical for MLS2 teams and MLS teams to play in the same tournament? Um, I, I don't know if it's an issue of, of ethics necessarily. I mean, what, what the, the issue being what exactly? I mean, just just give me your sense of what the problem is. <sighs> My my issue is that it's two teams of the same exact brand, same exact organization, although they're in different leagues and different contracts and all that stuff. 
but with the same goal to win the tournament. Is that fair for other teams in MLS that don't have the uh, USL two teams and for NASL teams that have a double shot, even though they're separate contracts? Ah, uh, I see. Um, you know, th- th- there's other uh, there's other instances of this, I believe, um, around the world. There are reserve teams who play in lower divisions who enter cup tournaments. I'm not saying that justifies the U.S. US uh, Open Cup having those teams, but... I don't know. I mean, unless you have those te- two teams going up against each other, I don't. I don't necessarily see the problem. I, I guess I get what you're saying that there's, there's more. There's uh, there's more of a reward. Or a, the possibility for a reward is higher for teams that have Sounders and Sounders two and Timbers and Timbers two. I I just I don't know. I don't think you should eliminate those teams. I mean, I don't think you should keep them out of the tournament if they're uh, you know if they're wholly contained teams i mean you're, you're cup tied you can't go between teams and play in the same tournament so i don't know i don't i don't I see. Dude, that makes that makes sense to me too yeah, you're right that I makes mean, sense but I, my, my my issue is like barcelona b you look at all these teams that now don't get me wrong i don't want to start a promotion argument i do not want to get open that can of worms uh, you but the you, barcelona <laughs> bees the the real madrid bees they don't participate in the copa del rey i believe okay if that's I, I you know i'd have to look at that i'm not really a copa del rey expert if that's true for that reason, then uh, then maybe there is something to it. I don't know. I, I can understand how it might make you uncomfortable, Terry, but I, I don't have a hard enough opinion on the ethics of it to give you much satisfaction right now. All right, great. Thank you so much. All appreciate right, appreciate it, it Terry. Uh, it's very eh, phone call. Way to end that phone call. Apologies to Terry, but uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Tre- Trevor is confirming that the uh, reserve teams in La Liga do not play in Copa del Rey. All right, Ray in Milwaukee. What's up, my friend? Good. How are you? Have a good weekend. I did. It was a good weekend. Uh, yeah, it was a yeah. good weekend for you, Ray. Will you watch some soccer? Oh yeah, I was watching a boatload of soccer. Was all a lot of stuff was on uh, major networks and everything. So that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But I really that. wanted to talk. Go ahead. I really wanted to talk. I really wanted to talk about the Liga MX finals. Uh, I thought it was highly entertaining, considering that one team was down five goals. So when Carretero put three goals in the first half, uh, the second half uh, was definitely worth watching. Oh yeah, I mean Carretero made a made a uh, a game of it, so to speak. Um, having lost that five that first leg five nothing, you expected okay, well that's that's over then. We can all just go home. Uh, you know, San, let's just crown Santos. And I know that second leg was at Carretero. Uh, Santos, the traveling fans, the people that made that trip which I don't think is an easy trip. Obviously, we're going to be rewarded with a trophy and a celebration. Hooray. And then Carretero goes and scores three times in the first half. Um, Ronaldinho did not start, but eventually came on and, and, and tried to make his influence felt. And, yeah, I, I guess that, you know, at, at least, considering the way the first leg, le- first leg went, at least we got a second leg that provided us some drama, Ray. Right. And, uh, Jason, I would agree with you that, uh, is these games need to be a little bit easier to find, uh, particularly in English. I think an English language network should just, if, should just buy the finals, the two legged finals. That, I think that's that would a good be idea. Awesome for the I, league. I wonder, I wonder how that might come about because as we talked about last week when I was sort of complaining about this, each team has an individual TV contract. They negotiate their own individual TV contracts, which is why, this uh the first leg was on Azteca America. Was the second leg on Azteca as well? Yes. So because I think Santos is also or uh Caretro is also a an Azteca uh contracted team. 
but that's obviously in Spanish. I don't know if they would sell separate English language rights or not. That would be interesting. Right, and so, but yeah, I you know uh, the Super Bowl is broadcast to the world, you know, and it, nobody ever cares about anybody any other game that is sort of showcase the Super Bowl in that in of this uh, country, so in foreign country. So yeah. I think that'd be awesome. And then I got one other thing for you, Jason. Quickly, uh, since the Women's World Cup's coming up, um, Marta or Wambach, who would you take? Right now, I'd probably take. I don't know. Wambach can get you stuff. Uh, she can get stuff done. She comes out and Mar- Marta's a better player overall. I mean, you know, if we're taking taking a a well rounded approach to it, I think Marta's a better player. But I think I want Abby all Wambach. time, Jason. All time, all I, I, time. I, I take Abby Who's Wambach. The greatest all time. woman player all time. I, I take. Well, I don't know. If, okay. I don't know if Abby Wambach is the greatest women player women's player of all time, but she certainly. The I take her over Marta over their careers. Yeah. I think that's I think that's where I would go. Appreciate the call, Ray. Thanks a lot, man. Let's move on. I got a couple other calls here. Going to have to wrap up pretty shortly, so let's uh, squeeze them in. Robert in L.A., what's up, my friend? Hey, good morning, my friend. Uh, I want to talk about uh, you know this weekend was uh, you know the FA Cup final and a lot of cup finals, the FA Cup, uh, Copa del Rey, uh, you know the Liga MX and uh, the German Cup. And I was watching a couple of them with a friend who wasn't a soccer fan, and he noticed something. He knows how, and I, we know he said he knows how. The loser always has to watch the, the winner celebrate. Yeah. And you never see that in American sports. Like, you know, like, Leo Messi had to watch Germany uh, lift the World Cup. Yeah, and, sure. And also, like, Afterville had to watch Arsenal and Dortmund had to watch uh, Wolfsburg. I just want to get your take on that. You know, it came, it came up a couple weeks ago, right, Trev? I mean, somebody mentioned this already. I, I am, um, I don't know. It's, a tra- it's part of soccer. I mean, I, it sucks. I, I, I get that it's terrible. I remember the 2009 Confederations Cup final. Clint Dempsey's bawling on the field because they lost that game to Brazil after leading, and you felt terrible, and they have to go get their runners-up medals and everything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if we wanted to change the tradition and have those the, the losing team walk off the field before the ceremony, I'd be okay with that. I would. I yeah, because you never oh, see you know what American is? sports. You, you're like, you're not, you don't see uh, you know, like the Seahawks. Have to, the Seahawks didn't have to watch the Patriots walk. You know, they always like, usher them into yeah. like, the well, locker rooms so, like, so you won't see the tears. I didn't want, all right. Yeah, no, I, you know where this but came I didn't up? want to get your take. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. Well, I, I remember this case, the, the, It wasn't a couple weeks ago. My brain, this is not my brain works. I remember this coming up at the MLS Cup final last year in LA. After the Galaxy won, the Revs players had to stand around, and you could just tell from the body language they did not want to be there. But go ahead. But yep. also, yeah, I see. I, I get that. But also, like, you know, if you're a neutral, it kind of does make good television like, or drama or. But I just wanted to get your opinion on that, and uh, thanks for taking my call, Jason. Sure. All right, man. Appreciate it. I thought you had something else. I guess not. Let's uh, go to this last call. Roberto in uh, Connecticut. What's up, man? Morning, Jason. Um, Morning. I just have a few questions about um, Italy. How do you feel that both um, Rome sides are in the um, Champions League and yet no Milan sides <laughs> are in the, um, any European competition? I, I know. I think that's the first time in maybe forever. I mean, I don't remember the last time. I, I, saw, this, I saw the factoid this morning. Neither Milan side in Europe next season, and that's the first time in something something years. Uh, that's pretty stunning. It says a lot about the state of of football in Milan right now. Uh, I, I th- and I think Italian football is better when certainly AC Milan is good, but you want Inter to be good as well, and it's not happening. And 
I'm not, you know, I, I don't like to, to pay attention too much to the politics of things, but it's really tough to like Lazio, and why would you want them to succeed in Europe? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But do you feel that Serie A is a bit overlooked by some of the fans because of the way of its historic Catanacho style of play? Because obviously we don't see that. Yeah, nowadays. I mean, I think that I think that old perceptions die hard, and Catanaccio is something that, that people associate with Italy. And, and when you develop, I mean, it's sort of like Samba football with, with Brazil. Do they play exactly the way that they did in the 60s and 70s? No, of course not. They're actually probably much more aggressive and defensive than they used to be. And, but we still kind of believe Brazil to be this fun-loving, freewheeling Samba team. It's the same thing with Italy and Catanaccio. So, yeah, absolutely, I think people do. Um, but they've got to prove it. You know what I mean? They've got to win games and be competitive and go for World Cups again. And what we after what we saw in Brazil, which wasn't good enough from Italian standards, and certainly the, the regression of Italian football and club football specifically over the last, I don't know, eight to ten years, it's been tough for them to convince anybody that they're worth watching. Juventus can go a long way to fixing that with, with the Champions League final this weekend, and then you obviously have you know, the Rome sides coming up. And, and like I said, if Italian football can get, it's not up to Italian football, but if AC Milan can re, re, reclaim their former glory and Inter can get better, then, and, and, you know, we know what Napoli can do, and Napoli's a fun team to watch, then, yeah, the, you know, pe- hopefully people come back around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, anything else, man? Um, yeah, just um, one last thing. Um, how far do you see the, um, the United States national team in the U20 World Cup going? Well, we just talked about it with Travis. Um, the way that the group sets up, they're looking pretty good to advance. I, I mean, I, it it depends on it, it depends on what that. I, I have to look at the matchups because I don't know who they're going to get in the uh, in the first knockout round. But I I would imagine, you know, I w- I would imagine that a quarterfinal run is possible, but maybe not likely. Is that is that a fair way to say it? I mean, you know, they're um they're a talented team, but I don't know that they have the um. I don't know that they play well enough together to beat some of those bigger sides. I mean, I watched I watched Panama play Argentina on Friday, um, and Panama went toe to toe with Argentina. So I, this is anybody's tournament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And mentioning Argentina, they're clearly the big favorite going into this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate the phone call, man. I got to run. There goes Roberto in yeah, Connecticut. No problem. Okay. All right. So uh, we are wrapping up a Monday edition of so- Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Make sure you go to backheel.com slash store here. Buy yourself a wonderful mug. We also have T-shirts. The Tuck Blazer CONCACAF Baller T-shirt is available over there. You've seen me rock it on this show. It's pretty awesome. I've seen them out in the wild. That's great. Send us your pictures. Any T-shirt related to backheel soccer morning that you're out wearing in a soccer environment, anywhere in the world, to be honest with you, but especially in a soccer environment, send us pictures. I love seeing those things. Follow us on Twitter at Soccer Morning. Tre- uh, Tre- Trevor, is there anything else I'm missing? Like, should I be? What else should I be doing here? Uh, I think that's it. Right? I think we're done. I appreciate all the phone calls. Thank you very much to Andrew Jennings. Uh, and thank you to Travis Clark, and we will see you later. Bye.